From the Ticats Audio Network, this is Task and Twos. Hey, Ticats fans, welcome to Task and Twos. I'm Luke Tasker, joined by my former teammate Andy Fantuz every week for our uh, weekly update. Tuz, good to see you, man. We are uh, coming off of a great, uh, another uh, Ticats uh, victory as they are progressing towards the playoffs, man. This is uh, this is where I start missing being out there on the field. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. And, uh, you know, three three big wins in a row, so I know the team's feeling high, um, but you're also thinking to three teams that aren't in the playoffs. So it's a big, big uh, challenge coming up this week against the Argos, who to me, it's kind of hard to put a finger on how, what this team is They're you know, they're eight and four, but they've won a lot of close games and they've lost a lot of games by, by a lot of points. So it's uh, they look bad in their losses and they look okay in their wins, but their record is eight and four. So it's, um, it's hard to really understand who this Argo team is. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wonder if, Argo onlookers are saying the same thing about the tie cats. Like this is a team that just found themselves. You know, I think that, I think that's probably how the, how they would, you know, look at, look at the tie cats as well. But the crazy thing about this tie cat schedule is you're right. Three teams at the end of the season who aren't in the playoffs anymore. And then you have a game in Toronto, which is effectively a home game or like, you know, the B stadium for the tie cats. In fact, I always loved playing in, in Toronto. We can get into that, but, and then you have another home game. I mean, it's a pretty favorable back stretch we'll see what sask is doing at that point or if the if the west is decided as to their structure that could be that could play out a little bit strange as well um but yeah super unique i mean i actually love the years when when we had two you know like in this season the tight go to toronto twice i think that's the best way to have your schedule because then you have your regular half the season of home games but you get the two bonus games in toronto instead of just the one you know every other year that switches but I, I absolutely love playing at BMO field though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great stadium. Like the, just the vibe there overlooking the skyline and the lake. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like you said, it's only short trip up the, up the highway. So, yeah. um, I, I like just the air quality. I don't know. It's just nice there. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, it'd be nice if it was a packed house every time, but yeah, other than that, it's, it's, it's a cool stadium to play in and, Always had a decent amount of success in those Toronto games. The uh, last, all the way- uh, sorry, the last game that I was there, I was, well, I, that the team was there, I was injured, but that was when the Hamilton, it was 63 to 20 or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that- it was the biggest win over the Argos in franchise history. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's an insane amount of points, 63. I don't <laughs> know if I've ever been a uh, part of a team for 63 points. I don't know. Yeah, the... Uh, I also love the surface at BMO field though. They have the soccer, like the soccer grass field. Like I, I always felt like a big part of my game was not just running as fast as I could, but trying to stop as hard as I could. And like you, you, you pretty much are trying to do that as a, as a professional wide receiver, like to the point that you, that it hurts, like to the point where your body really can't stop any faster because you know, your knees are your knees and your ankles are only human, right? Like you, but you're trying to really stop yourself on a dime. And on the BMO field, it's like, maybe I'm just not fast enough to make it hard, but I felt like I was, I could run so fast and put a single foot in the ground and stop myself. Cause that grass was just so forgiving. Like I absolutely just, I just absolutely love that field. Yeah. Quickness in and out of cuts are, uh, becomes even more important for, for guys like, uh, 
like you and I, who, who aren't, aren't blazers to begin with, but, uh, but you are, we're the best, uh, best out of it that I ever saw. And, and you're totally right, man. Like playing on those, 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 those fields that are just so well kept, like, you know, they keep it like that for the Toronto FC and, uh, it, it, it makes a big difference. It's, um, you know, we had some great games at the, the Rogers center when they played there, but oh, yeah. that turf that was like peeling up and stuff. And you, you had to watch and make sure you don't step in a divot. And it, it was pretty, pretty rugged. Um, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, uh, and most of the outdoor fields, uh, the field turf ones, like they, they, they're, they're pretty good at right at right when the turf gets laid, but a few years go by with the elements in Canada and, uh, they get batted, patted down and get a little slick and it's just not yeah. the same. You're totally right. And you see like, you know, you see a lot of non-contact injuries on those type of fields. And it's hard to say whether correlation is causation, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that Toronto, that Toronto surface is great. And I did confirm that they, they have switched it now to the end zones being uh, the same level as the field. So they're, they don't have that, that, that jump anymore. Like they used to, <laughs> but it's still turf though. Right. Like this, there's still a surface change. It is a surface change. Yeah. yeah. But it's at least it's not a level change. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, man. That is, that is like when I, when I, the, when I was first coming up here after like NFL camp within the chargers with the chargers in 13, like the, my most like mind blowing discovery was that some end zones had the corners cut off. And I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's like soccer in Europe where like all the fields are different and stuff. And it's like, this is just like so different and exciting. And then sure enough, and Rogers center was like a pretty awesome place to play for tie cats. But then we get to BMO and it's like, we have this whole other like variation to the field where like you run onto like plexiglass in the end zones at the end. I hope Tommy Condell has some like cool schemes getting drawn up this week to try to get speedy B like get him on the grass and his defender on the, on the uh, turf, the slippery turf in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are great. Oh man. Remember that, uh, 2013, um, East final in Toronto with, with Henry and so sweet, man. Oh yeah. When, when Hamilton basically took over the stadium. Yeah. And uh, did you, that, did you score a touchdown that game? Yeah. I, I actually had two that game. Yeah. Okay. I had, yeah, I had a, I had a good game there and I remember nice. Chris Jones losing his, losing his, yeah, yeah. <laughs> losing his mind at the referees thinking, yeah. of, you know, one, we were offside on the waggles, which we never were when you slowed <laughs> right. it down, but on right. TV or in, in live, it like, it looks like it until you like, yeah, frame by frame. And then the other one was sort of the flipper. They go old fancy flipper, you know, love that getting yeah. the shoulders into the guy, but you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to make contact with you. You gotta, you gotta hold your ground. So that's right. It, the key is to never extend your, your full length of your arm. It's just the, just the elbow, the flipper out the little dolphin flipper. And then, and then you, you get away. That's that Andy one handy. He only needs the one hand to catch. So you might as well flip her with the other hand, right at, right when you need to. <laughs> yeah. My, it, it, my favorite thing is like, as soon as you get the DB to move just a little bit one way or another, or even shift his weight. So you make moves while you're kind of getting up, closing the, the distance in between you. And as soon as you get them off balance or moving a little bit, that's when you can really lay your shoulder into them because mm. you can't call it as like a charge, like a offensive pass interference at that point. Cause they're moving into you and then yeah. you totally get them off balance. And then it's just like, all you have to do is make contact and break away. And you don't even need the elbow most of the time. If, if you do get them off balance and uh, yeah, we saw that. I saw that in the, in the Winnipeg and Montreal game, uh, Darwin Adams, they, he had the good old, like he did a double move against Winston Rose 
uh, the other night and, and the ref called it and I'm thinking there, wow, there's no way that's pass interference. Like he was just running and Winston mm-hmm. tried to cut him off. Cause otherwise he was going to run past him for a touchdown Yeah, and they made contact and Rose fell and he made the catch on a, on a curl or a comeback route. But, um, yeah, anyway, it was, it was, uh, it just, you know, well, you were, you me. were the clinic tape of, uh, of, uh, you know, using your, using your body leverage downfield and the, uh, the options over the middle, we were that, that like 13, 14, 15 years, man, it was, it was awesome. We could have, you and I could have 20 catches combined for like 180 yards total, but it was difference making. Like we would, you know, it was, it was what mattered to the game. The, uh, <laughs> that, that East final, uh, 2013, I had, that was my first game back. I had only been in Canada for like a total of six weeks. And my first game back after my, after I tore my meniscus. And I think I only had two catches in that game, but, we, but we played good. We, we won, we were, uh, you know, underdogs and, but that was the, my first game back having my lap, my previous game was also in Rogers center earlier that season. And you said his name, Hank Burris threw me my first CFL touchdown pass. I still got the football that drew Strohshine, uh, you know, uh, you know, not autographed, but you know, drew with Sharpie on it. What, what I, that it was my first uh, pass and it was a, I was going towards the end zone and and Rogers center. I like you, I always loved playing there. And I caught a Hank Burris threw me a back shoulder on a seam ball to the, to the field side, like running up the hash, like back shoulder, right at the goal line, the defender was on the ground. It was like just such a, such a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful play. And I looked this up to start here. Hank Burris, uh, or excuse me, Hank. Oh yeah. The year that Hank Burris started his CFL career, I was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing is that? Oh, like dude, what a like, legend. Oh my, I was six years old. My dad retired from the CFL or from the NFL that year. I was, uh, he had just started his CFL career out West. Uh, I think he was in camp with the Packers or something like that before he, uh, uh, came up here. And then sure enough, all these years later, he's the guy who throws me my first touchdown. I thought it's just a, such a cool crossing of generations of uh, CFL. Not that he was done then. He then went on to beat us in the Eastern final and win a great cup after. So it's, he wasn't even close to being done at that time, but still. Hank's one of my, one of my favorites, uh, you know, just a character of his own. Huh? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Only, only Hank, you know, ever for all the listeners, you think smiling Hank, Oh, is he, is he always like that? Or is it just a, is it just a front for TV? And no, he is always like that. Like he is always smiling. He is always positive. Just his energy is next level. Like, Oh, how can you be, how can you be the oldest guy on the team and be leading the pregame speech and just getting everybody so fired up? He's just, <laughs> Oh, I, I tried to do it a little bit after him, after he was done here and, and, uh, and it was fun, but nothing like Hank, man, talking about, you know, we're, we're good about to go pray on the Serengeti and, and all, <laughs> and he's got his house oh. music going and, you know, yeah. it's like, who is like, Oh my goodness. It's not, not what you'd expect from, from looking at him and, uh, just a, just a hilarious dude and you know, such a positive man. Dude, <laughs> I remember 13 was the only year I got to spend with him. Cause I, I think he got picked up in the expansion draft to Ottawa or however he went, however he ended up going out to Ottawa after that. But I, I, I just love that. I got a chance to play with him. His you're so right, man. He has the energy of the youngest guy on the team and he was the elder by like, 
I mean, he had at least a couple of years on Tim O'Neill, who was then the <laughs> second, who is the second oldest on our team. But Tim was the opposite. Tim's attitude was like a 60 year old, you know, like, <laughs> whereas Hank, Hank had the attitude of a 21 year old, but he, but you know, he was the oldest guy. He, I remember we lost the great cup at 13 and like, you know, got our heads kicked in in Saskatchewan. And then the next day we're back in the facilities and Hank's exit meetings. He's got a beer in his hand. He's just smiling. Like he's like, <laughs> whatever, still a professional football player for a living. So, you know, how bad can they get? The, uh, yeah, he was an absolute legend, man. The, uh, my first interaction with Hank was the, that year, 2013 was when our bus rides to McMaster. Cause we were <laughs> locker room at Jarvis. Not like, I love the fact that we weren't taking like, uh, like a tour bus or whatever they're called. Like we were on like the Hamilton city buses going to <laughs> like a whole bus, but you know, it was still like a city bus going to McMaster to bus. And when you were a rookie that year, it's actually an awesome thing. Cause there was like 15 minutes of just like nonsense with teammates on the bus that, you know, it just gets guys close. Like you mentioned in previous, Bakari's like putting like a Reebok symbol on his helmet and tape, like over top of the tie cat. The, uh, but if you were a rookie that year, you had to go sit in the center of the bus. And this is like the Hamilton city buses that are like double, not double decker, but like double long. So like you got two bus cabs that have like this, like that circular, like hinge in the middle. So like, it like an accordion. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the accordion bus. And in the center, there's like four seats there. And that was like the quarterback, like center gauntlet. So like the call, the quarterbacks were sitting there. And if you were a rookie that year, you had to get called up to the quarterback gauntlet of like this little center, you know, can pretty much Hank Burris's office, you know, is effectively what it was. And so as the rookie, you sat there and you had to get the trivia questions from all these quarterbacks and to see if you were passed, like if you're smart enough to be a rookie on the team or something like that. So one of my, my favorite question though, is that, uh, let's see, Dan Lefevre, old Dan Terrence Lefevre asked the question over under in Hank Burris's four years as a starter at Temple how many games did he win? And the over under is four. <laughs> and so you're thinking, come on, this guy's played 20 years in the CFL. And like, he couldn't win more than four games in college. And of course everyone says over, cause they don't want to like be wrong about that. You know, if, if Hank's sitting right there and sure enough, Hank went like three and three and 20 or something like that, or three and 35 as a starter at, at temple. Like he had some miserable college career. And so that was one of the trivia questions that you, that every rookie got asked right in front of Hank Burris. <laughs> oh, just legendary. It's amazing, man. It was so good. And you know, it's crazy. You know, this is mind blowing. Jeremiah Mazzoli was sitting right there, like still out there leading the tie cats to the gray cup after all the things that have happened in his career. And he was like third string or fourth string quarterback with Hank Burris right there in the Hank Jeremiah probably remembers my, uh, my rookie interview. And in that, uh, in that bus circle, in fact, the, uh, the question that I got wrong, that got me kicked off the panel, even before the Hank Burris question was, and I'm from Buffalo, New York. And they asked me, what are the five great lakes? And I froze. I could, I couldn't remember Lake Superior. And I said, here on, here on Michigan, Erie, Ontario. And I was like, what, wait a minute. What's, what is the, and I froze and a Buffalo kid couldn't remember the five uh, great lakes that I've learned in school since I was in first grade, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I don't feel bad. I, I think like one out of every 10 people got that right. Even, I don't yeah. know if it was just the pressure of being in the spotlight. Like you said, you froze, but uh, even some, you know, some Canadians and stuff didn't get that yeah. one. Right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> you're like stuff, thinking, man. and you, you only had a certain amount of seconds to get it too. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so you, uh, yeah. And then it was a lot of them were geography questions. <laughs> like, yeah. like which one's higher on the longitude? Is it, uh, 
you know, Seattle or Toronto hmm. or, or Hamilton, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of people got that one wrong, of course. The common one was what's the southernmost state? And everybody thinks Texas or Florida. Everyone says Texas or Florida and Hawaii is obviously is southernmost of all the 50 states. The uh, I love it. That was actually fittingly to what we are going through now. That was the first year that I did the Movember campaign. And I, was, I did it when I was injured. And I came in to the locker room with just my stash on, just my stash on. And I was, you know, nine years younger than I am now or eight years younger than I am now. So my stash wasn't, wasn't as uh, voluminous as it is today. (laughs) And I, and Dan Lefevre and Hank both took to calling me turd Ferguson after the uh, SNL character that was uh, 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 Burt Reynolds did an SNL character that his name was turd Ferguson. And so I I got called turd for the rest of the year by uh, Dan Lefevre and and Hank Burris. (laughs) They, they had a that, that's funny man they had a nice one-two combo that year those two with the uh, they did dan they were would come in for crew, yeah his own uh and, and even on the field too they had a, he, dan had his own packages he would come in for and yeah uh, and we were we, we had a we had a powerful offense i think and we were first Soli, in the league yeah solely won the uh semi eastern semifinal at mcmaster or yeah or sorry at guelph like that was like solely's offensive package that got thrown in there that was pretty cool too mm-hmm Another guy on that bus. Remember when we were like driving down uh, King Street to right, right before we got to, you know, right before we went over the highway, and yeah. there was a, there was that house on the left that the the fans would always be out there because oh, they yeah. knew what time we'd be going by, and and right, and, right. and of course like Stala, <laughs> oh Stala, my gosh, David Stala, Sticky, yeah, uh, another legend in himself. Um, oh yeah, you know, and um, <laughs> the one day he. He actually took off his practice jersey and threw it out the window to these fans who were there to greet us every single day, day after day. And then from then on, for the rest of the year, every single day, they're wearing his jersey as we go (laughs) by and we would honk and everybody would cheer at him. Oh, yeah. That's amazing, man. He shows up at practice without a a practice jersey and (laughs) coach is like, Kent, he's like, what the heck, man? Dave, what's what's going on, man? (laughs) Gotta get your jersey, Stella. (laughs) It was like, oh man, somebody stole it. Somebody stole it from me. (laughs) That same, that like same week, my first week getting into practice there, Stala, like I didn't know who he was. I knew he was a receiver, like he was in their our meetings, but like I didn't think that he was like the Swiss Army knife of the CFL, like could kick like 50-yard field goals. And so like totally casually walks up to me and he goes, Hey, I'll bet you $20 that I make this field goal. And it was like a 40 yard field goal right after practice. He would just set the ball like up on the turf and I go, sure, fine. (laughs) Of course, of course he makes it like totally just like, uh, uh, not scamming me, but you know, hustling me like for 20 bucks, like (laughs) get an easy 20 out of the rookie. But he, uh, I went up to into the locker room that day and paid him $20 and he, and he just laughed. He took it and he said, come to, uh, uh, come to West town tonight, you know, to have, to have a, have a beer with us. And he, he was, he was just a unbelievable vet who like, I think truly like embodied that age of the CFL. Like when we were at, when we were when our Jarvis year, I wonder how this was early in your career at Sask at, in our Jarvis years. Like if you were in the facilities at 4 PM, you were the last guy there. Like there was, that was it. Like everybody was cleared out and like you go to Tim Hortons field at 4 PM, like there's still half the team there just like hanging around ice bath treatment goes on and on and on. And there's so many guys getting treatment and, 
I mean, you do what you got to do, but there was something about the like energy of the team at Jarvis where like you just do your business and you get home and we got to, the, and we went to the great cup. It was like, you know, we weren't, it wasn't like a work harder, not smarter type of thing, which sometimes I wonder if, if modern, if the world of modern football people, people fall into this mentality of just grind for the sake of grinding. Like if you're, if you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. So long as you, you're the last person there where I feel like early on, like when I first got to the CFL, I was like, this is amazing, man. You just practice, you watch your film and you got to watch your film. And then you go out there and, and just, and you ball, you just play, you just play as hard as you can. And it is what it is. It was like such a beautiful, like freeing thing when I got there and guys like Stala embodied just like the classic, just like, let's go make plays kind of Canadian football. Yeah. Yeah. He was always going to be ready to play. He knew his assignments. So you, and he was a guy you could count on. That's why he yeah. was always on the field. And, and uh, you know, you, you get a lot of turnover at the receiver and a lot of guys come in who just have a ceiling, like, like no other, but Stella would still be out there ahead of them because yeah. the, the, you know, you ask the quarterback, so who do you want to throw to Stella? Like, obviously <laughs> I want to throw to Stella, you know, he's going to catch it. You know, he's going to be in the right spot. And uh, I don't trust these other guys yet, you know? So they had to, they had to earn their, earn their right. Quick, quick, quick story about what you just said though. Like a guy named DJ flick, you probably don't know him, but he was, he was a Hamilton receiver and uh, an all-star CFL all-star. And then he came to Saskatchewan in 2007. So he was, um, he was the W on our team and he caught, he must've caught 20 touchdowns on fade routes. He was a tiny guy. Tiny guy, like your side, like not, not that you're tiny, but you know what I mean? Like shorter guy, yeah. <laughs> but just could run a fade route like nobody else. And Carrie Joseph uh, caught, uh, kept counting him for touchdown. Anyway, he, he ended up winning the great cup with us. Yeah. So key piece to our offense, but he was a true believer that you should not train at all in the off season <laughs> <laughs> at all. He's like, no training. That's what training camps for. He's like, if you, if you train in the off season, you're going to get burnout and, uh, and yeah, so he would come to training camp out of shape and spend like three weeks getting into shape and was just that naturally gifted that it worked for him. And yeah. I don't think that really works nowadays. I don't recommend anyone do that, <laughs> but still uh, that is, that is a beautiful thing. I mean, those days are gone. Yes. But how sweet is that, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe that you need to, you know, pace yourself and go through yeah. phases and have recovery time, even, even recovery weeks in, in training. Uh, cause you can't stay, you know, you can't go hundred percent all the time, but anyway, you're right. It's totally different, different era. And, and, mm. uh, it, it, it certainly made me think about something. I didn't, I'm not going to say I ever, <laughs> I ever took his yeah. advice, but yeah, uh, it was wild. Like, what do you mean? you like, you literally don't train at all. Like you don't work out once. And he's like, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe run a little bit a week before training camp. I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Dude. That is such a, such an amazing thing. I remember like, I, I just, I just, you can sense like the mentality changed as, as like the, st ever, like all of a sudden one year four of the teams in the league had a brand new stadium five, I guess. So all of a sudden, like throughout my career, like the whole league changed over places like Iverwin were gone. Like when you have these nice facilities that there's like an expectation that you just stick around there, like, you know, getting better. But, you know, for those listening, I'm doing finger quotes right now. Like if you just, if you, you know, if you're just around there sitting around, I, man, you got to mentally like get away from the thing. And it's such a, the CFL has this interesting, interesting uh, rule with the players association where there's only four and a half hours allowed of team 
structured events. So it's not truly four and a half hours of workday. You get in there an hour or two before, and then when it's done, you do what you got to do. But I was, by the end of my career, I was like, man, you got to really mentally like be fresh every day. And if you are just in there all the time, you just get burnt out. But man, those early years, it was just, it was just go out there and play, man. I felt like June Jones was also particularly, his offense was built for like that, that mentality. Like you don't got to, after day six of training camp, there's no more install. Like the, the <laughs> offense is in man. Like if you don't know it, like you got two pages, look, read them again. And then, you know, them. <laughs> and then you just go out there and do it. And like, boy, if, if not, if not for Ottawa that year, for which, for some reason we could not win a game against Ottawa in 2018, if not for Ottawa, I think June Jones would have, would have a great cup with Hamilton because we were just, we were able to, our offense was so successful and for some reason we couldn't beat Ottawa that year. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That That's was a shame. It was fun. Yeah. Now, but, but yeah, Hamilton's got a great chance, great chance uh, to really make their claim and, and set themselves up. It doesn't mean they get lock up first though. They still, still going to have to uh, do work against SAS the week after, but uh, yeah. certainly a great opportunity to sort of pave your way. Coming I'm up all here. for, man, I am all for fighting hard, like playing, playing all out for the chance at the bye week like like whether you take off a little bit or save guys you still got to go out there and play a football game and then and then at the risk of not getting the bye week i'm all about going for it aggressive aggressive calls keep your starters in because that opportunity to potentially get the bye week so valuable man like that just makes such a difference one win one win at home and you got a chance at the great cup just an awesome awesome opportunity yeah, let let the let Montreal and Toronto uh, beat them beat each other up the week before. Yeah, really. <laughs> Let's not look too far ahead though. And uh, yeah, you know, one game at a time. Cool, man. Well, excited for it. We got a couple more weeks here, and we'll we'll get into the playoff stretch. Andy, love talking with you, man. I can't wait to see you this weekend. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, ciao, ciao. Task and twos. Like and subscribe to hang with them weekly.